Welcome to the Beer Healer Interviews. I am your host, Chris Lukinenko, and I scour this big brand land of ours, looking under fermenters and behind mash tuns to find the best beer stories to share with you. The Beer Healer Interviews is now available on all major podcast services. If you like the show and want to help out, can I ask you to simply rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast service? Just leave a few words and a rating and the podcast gods will do the rest. By doing this, you'll help others to discover the show more easily and hopefully get more people interested in this great industry that we call craft beer. To everyone who takes time out of their busy lives to listen to the tales that I share via this medium, thank you for being part of the journey so far. And thanks for your patience of late as I sort of had I fit my craft beer podcasting hobby into what has been a pretty busy work and family life of late. I'm back and I'm locking in more guests as we speak, so if you have someone you want to hear from, shoot me a message via Facebook or Insta. And with that, I want to introduce my guest for this episode. This is a cool one, a small brewery in its early stages and a backstory that has many layers to it. So let's just get into it and peel back that onion. Welcome to the Beer Healer Interviews, James Isaacson from Avenge Brewing in Victoria. Thanks for having me, Chris. Pleasure, mate. Thanks for bringing me out of my winter slumber and back onto the mic. No worries. Feels like uh, only last week we were in uh, sunny... Jersey, hanging out. Swapping, swapping, swapping beers in a one-way direction to me, which is great, <laughs> which is, which is uh, tonight. Yeah, I've got that. There we go. Thank you for saving your beer to crack it on the uh, mic. No worries. I love hearing a beer pour over the microphone. That's the uh, red IPA you got there. The hunt for red IPA. Yeah. Hopefully the hunt is over. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, look, mate, this is one of those interviews where I do my very in-depth research, weeks and weeks of research, and when I find something that's got so many little bits and pieces to it, I'm not really sure um, where to kick things off. So I guess let's just see where this bloody thing uh, takes us. Um, well, I'm tasting it right now, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> now, I know you've got lots of interests and hobbies and somehow that led you to broom. We'll, we'll certainly get to that. But tell me, I want to know, what was your first love? My first love in terms of beer? Well, or... uh, well if you want to tell me who your first love was, I'll, I'll share mine if you share yours. Uh, either way. Oh, look, mate. Uh, my first love was absolutely, um, you know, drawing, painting, uh, anything really like that. So, yeah, you know, always been doing it from a very early age. Yeah. Um, like, still consider myself pretty rough around the edges sometimes. But, um, yeah, that and, you know, also um, played in a lot of bands and, um, yeah, it was, like, pretty artistic. So, and that's carried over into even a few jobs that I've had. So, yeah, cool, cool. Yeah. And, and what about who was your first love? Do you remember back that far? I was only thinking about it tonight as I read, read my notes and I was thinking about back in uh, grade two for me, so I'm going to say that's about 1982 or three or something like that. Yep. I met uh, a young lady by the name of Noree Sward mm-hmm. and uh, we got married in class one day. Somehow we had a wedding. And then she ran off and left me at the end of grade two. I never saw her again until I was about 24, right? And I'm in the pub one night and we had just so happened to have common friends from university around that that age. Yeah. And here comes Nari up and I was like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. And she didn't quite remember me like I remembered her, but that was my uh, my first love and my first wife. 
Can you beat that story? No, I can't. I, I don't think I can actually. <laughs> I, I can't, man. No, sorry. No, no fair enough. <laughs> You've got plenty you got of other there. other loves. You, uh, I'm tipping graffiti, brewing, art, tattoos, music, Star Wars. <laughs> Oh yeah, well I want to get to that. You fucking nerd! I really, I'm really interested in that because I I don't quite understand that, but I want to understand it. So, I can um, understand. What do I? Okay, well let's no let's let's first of all let's let's talk about your working life. So once you we'll, we'll get to we'll get to the Star Wars. Once you uh, you left school, were you a uh, did you graduate magna cum laude from your local university, or were you like a 16 year old high school dropout? Where did you fit in there? <laughs> no, I actually made it through um, year 12, believe it or not. Um, yep. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, even, you know, attempted uni. Um, yep. Try studying at uni while um, share housing in uh, inner CBD Melbourne. Does work. Guys, um, you don't get a lot of study done. So we drank <laughs> a lot of beer, though, and we drank a lot of um, beer now that I'd almost be embarrassed to admit on this podcast that I enjoyed. Melbourne uh, bitter long necks, I bet. Oh, look, there's a lot of calm drafts and um, yep. even some pure blonde in there. Um, I believe, you know, Little Creatures would have been probably one of the first beers I had where I thought it was pretty crafty and um, Bees Knees. Oh, yeah, Bees Knees, yeah, made down here in Hobart. Yep. Yeah, that's it, man. So, and, you know, I transitioned from, you know, serving in the Army um, up in Darwin to going back down to Melbourne and um, up there it was pretty much all lager. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we a lot of forex gold up there, isn't there? Yeah. Now, yeah. actually, you see a lot of um, Great Northern. Yeah. Uh, that's that's everywhere. I think they've pretty much taken over the whole city. I think but, so. Um, <laughs> I think so. Some, just off record here, but um, there's a really great brewery up there, uh, Beeves Brewery, run by this guy who's a veteran as well, Chris Brown. And I got the chance to catch up with him and check out his brewery. It was really cool. Yeah. Nice. Um, he's got some pretty interesting things going on there, but. I digress. So no, no, that's okay. That's what we're yeah. here to do. We we do these di- digressions off off the on the tangents and all that sort of thing. So so out of school, you at uni. When did you enter the army? Oh, look, so I went in back in uh, gosh. First of all, when I was eighteen, um, oh, I first right. went in. Yeah. So and then um, silly me um, went back in again um, <laughs> many years later. And um, yeah, don't ask me why. But um, I guess I'm a glutton for punishment. I'm, so, I'm looking at you right now, and you've got two full sleeves of tattoos. I'm tipping they came after the army, yeah? Oh, during and after, yeah. Oh, well, you're allowed to have them, yeah. mate. I didn't know oh, you're allowed absolutely. to have them. Absolutely, yeah. Oh. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we used to um, – so up there, right, so you'll play sports on a Thursday afternoon, and don't worry, this is beer-related. Yeah, that's and okay. And then we'll all play sports. We used to play footy, and it'd be like 36 degrees, super humid, you know, um, it's pretty tough conditions to play footy. And afterwards, we'd have a boozer parade, which is basically going to the <laughs> bar at work and everyone has to rock up. And it'd be like $2 VBs. Um, yeah, so $2 beers. And everyone would be nice and dehydrated and then just smash beers. <laughs> and um, a lot of times that would carry on to the night. And then Friday morning's always really rough, you know. Yep. Um, if we have like a pack march or something, you can just like smell it. No. <laughs> so yeah, it's a pretty good uh, warm up to gypsy brewing, I guess. Yeah. So how how did you fit your love of graffiti and art into uh, an army lifestyle? Oh look, I only did a little bit on site here and there. Um, yeah. You know, a little bit to um, sometimes 
get out of doing certain things. I'd get asked to go and, you know, draw a mural or, um, you know, I'd be putting together like T-shirt designs or stuff like that, um, yeah. which I really enjoyed doing, man. You know, it's really cool. And it's awesome to be able to still do that sort of stuff now, um, but incorporate it to beer. Yeah, nice. So, what what brought you back to Melbourne after you you had you finished your your tour? Is that what you, not tour your, oh, your service post, period? Posting, yeah. So yeah. I came back down to Melbourne um, to pursue uh, work and also to um, well, you know, met my wife. So um, did you come down for love? Did you? I did. Yeah, she was in California at the time. So um, yeah, we had mutual acquaintances on um, Instagram. Um, you know, just um, following certain people that we knew, mutual acquaintances, um, guys who were involved in, um, like, Star Wars costuming uh, <laughs> in the 501st Legion, which is like this um, worldwide group, which is partially, you know, owned by or run by, managed by Disney. Oh, yeah. okay. So, yeah, we, we um, yeah, met through there and um, I ended up going to the US and, yeah, caught up. Um, she ended up coming out to Melbourne to pursue the rest of her degree at uni and I ended up moving back down to Melbourne and, yeah, yeah the rest is history, man. So, uh, so she's from California, uh, yeah. a magnificent part of the world for craft beer. Absolutely. Was she your entry? I mean, I know you had little creatures and bees knees, you've had that, but was she your entry yeah. into something a little more bigger and bolder than maybe a little creature's pale ale? Yeah, for sure, man. And this is part of the inspiration, you know, from what a lot of the beers come from is um, I think back in 2013, I first went over there to, um, you know, got a bit of a holiday. Uh, I was staying in San Francisco and um, then we ended up going out to the East Bay area, um, Northern California. Yep. Got to go to some pretty cool breweries. I was back in 2013. Um, I was still a bit of a noob, I guess, when it comes to craft beer. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, yeah, my wife took me to, um, like, Buffalo Bill's Brewery. Um, Buffalo Bill, he pretty much invented the pumpkin ale. Yep. Uh, if you didn't know that. But, no, I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah. I, know I, I didn't know that until I was doing research on you, um, ah, <laughs> where right. somehow <laughs> that linked, linked back to it. So I sounded like I knew what I was talking about, but only because, like, a couple of days ago I read that somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, 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 and um, some other really cool breweries around there uh, in the Bay Area. Some probably not so well known. Yeah. Um, like everyone probably thinks about, you know, like Russian River. Yeah. They think about Sierra Nevada, um, which is just sort of in the north of San Francisco. Yep. Um, but some other really cool ones there that we went to, um, like Drake's Brewing, um, and these guys are just like operating out of a, you know, like a warehouse next to a Walmart. Um, pretty <laughs> yeah. sketchy. We actually got kicked out of there. Um, we were a bit too rowdy, apparently, and oh. um, they asked us to leave. Yeah. Um, but no, look, so that's my introduction to craft beer was, you know, yeah. around the US. Um, nice. And then lucky so enough. Did you say before that she was your inspiration for this whole thing? Well, she's definitely my inspiration in terms of, you know, like the artwork I've been putting together. Oh, yeah. And um, just going off some themes, you know, from my time traveling around California, um, you know, like I'm, ha- I'm sort of open to any sort of suggestions, but normally she is absolutely my quality control when it comes to, nice. you know, putting out any can designs. Uh, and I'll show her and go, hey, babe, what do you think about this? And she'll, 
look at me like eating sane. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Do you ever sing to it? <laughs> you're the meaning in my life. Yes. You're the inspiration. <laughs> you should sing that to her. I like, I like, look, I, I love the fact, I love the fact that this is, the two of you together from from the get go that that is awesome. I've always I've always talked about how I always wanted my wife to be a beer drinker. She never was. Yeah. She's starting to love sours now. But oh, it's, cool. you know, yeah. I just think it's great that you've you found this thing together. That's awesome. And she introduced you to great beer over there. But I've got to you know for those yeah. of us that grew up drinking, you know. The, the wet cardboard version of Sierra Nevada that was six months old, we all think you are a fucking asshole because you got to taste great American beers, you know, fresh. And uh, as you would know, there's such a difference between a couple of week old, um, you know, Sierra Nevada or Russian River, yeah. whatever, and to what we get out here. So, yeah, yeah. envious, but you're an asshole. Thank you. <laughs> <Pleasure>. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so once you went over there, you sort of bitten by the craft beer bug. Was it just something you wanted to just explore when you got back and just try new beers, or did was there a point in time where you thought, oh, I think I'd like to get a bit more serious about this? Oh, look, there was definitely a point in time a couple of years ago. I thought, you know what, I want to try homebrewing. So I went onto YouTube and I watched a video um, put out by Coopers for their basic fermenters. Yeah. And I've I seen that. that. I reckon I've seen that, that yeah. thing probably three or four times. And it's got the guy on there, you know, he's in the kitchen setting, it's in a studio, <laughs> and he's, you know, putting together, you know, the extracts, yep. he's getting the yeast, and then he puts the bottles away, you know, he's covered, and then, you know, wait, you know, 12 to 14 days, and your Cooper's beer will be ready. Uh, so simple and so great tasting. Oh, so, absolutely. Which so, nothing it works out to be. Straight down to Big W, you know, get a yep. Cooper's Kitch. And, oh, boy, man, like I threw out so much beer. It was you know, my old man would drink it and he'll pretty much drink anything. Yep. Uh, but even he said, oh, James, this is a little bit rough. Yeah, my so, first one I tipped, so, <laughs> you know, I'm with you there. Yeah, and um, I guess that's where I had gained a bit more interest. You know, I was watching YouTube guys like Gash, who's here in Melbourne, there's some pretty, you know, interesting videos on YouTube. Some of them are really old. Have you um, ever seen the guy that does everything in fast forward and a white, he's got a white body yes, rights on? I, I forget what he's called. Yeah. He's great. Um, what was he now? So he actually stopped um, putting out videos as well, but he has some pretty good ones. Yeah. yeah. I actually watched a couple of his. So, so simple, but it just, oh, right on, yeah, it was awesome, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. No, he was cool. And so him, I mean, going to the Cooper's forums and, you know, I'd go in there and, Post pictures of my fermenter wrapped in a sleeping bag. I can't believe I'm telling you this. Yeah, that's um, awesome. You know, and oh boy, you know, I, <laughs> now when I think about it, yeah, it, it was pretty, yeah, anyway. So, pretty good. I, I, didn't, I didn't use a sleeping bag, but I used my wife's yoga mat. <laughs> oh, did you? <laughs> <laughs> that worked pretty well. Where's my yoga mat? Uh, what is that bubbling sound coming from the cupboard? Oh, nothing. Exactly. Why do we have 48 tallies in the laundry cupboard? Yeah. Nothing, so, nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. And would you believe it or not, you know, the graduating from doing that through to brew the bag yeah. on the stovetop, having like mini boil overs, uh, oh, yeah. lots of mess. And my wife eventually asked me, can you please take this outside? <laughs> I thought you said she was supportive. She that doesn't sound very supportive. Very supportive. Um, to a point. Yeah. So, 
And, um, yeah, so all grain brewing. And, um, look, I mean, I would have thought about, wow, imagine if I went to a brewery and brewed a beer. That'd be pretty cool, but I'm not really good enough to do that. And um, I'd be going into, um, during COVID, a local bottle shop was in five kilometres from where we oh, lived. Yeah, yeah. And um, one of the guys who was working there who now runs a really great venue called The Great Grain, um, Mark Store. So he was working there at the time. And you'd always be ordering in these, you know, stouts from Norway, like by Civisium, for example, and Amundsen yep. Brewery. Yep. And we go in there by the stouts. And I would be talking to him. And yeah, one day I just asked him, hey, Mark, do you know anyone I can talk to about maybe going to work in a brewery? And he said, oh, look, you know, I don't know, but I'll, you know, if I hear anything, I'll let you know. And then months later, he calls me up. I hope you don't mind. You're going a bit of a tangent here. No, go. Go for uh, it. But he rings me up. He says, oh, hey, James. Yeah, I'm spoken to this um, sales rep uh, at um, Killer Sprockets. Have you heard of them? I'm like, oh, yeah, sort of. Are you doing an accent for him right now? Yeah. Oh, what is it? Can you help us out? Yeah, he's kind of like English, I guess. <laughs> oh, is that what it was? Oh, okay. Yeah. He's like, hey, lady. Na- nailed it. Nailed that accent. Well done. Nailed it. Nailed it. And, um, yeah, so he tells me, look, um, speak to Sean at Killer Sprocket. Maybe he can help you out because they do some gypsy brewing there. And I'm like, what's gypsy brewing? So, anyway, I end up driving up to the brewery to Killer Sprocket. And I'm sitting in the car for like five minutes and I thought, what the fuck am I doing here? Why am I going to walk in here and ask these people if I can brew there? I've got no experience. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and so I thought, oh, whatever, I'll just walk in and go in there and Sean's serving beers at the bar and uh, there's a few people in there. And, yeah, I just hit him up and asked him, hey, can I um, – what's the chances of me being able to do some work here and, and brew? And he replies, None. <laughs> so awesome. he um I thought oh, okay and, but he said look you know he said I, I can't just have you working in here for free and I thought no that's fair enough you know yeah. like public liability insurance and yeah he, and he said it's not fair you know and I, and I totally agree with that and I've always been about yeah anyone who assists on packaging days and that you know they should be compensated and yep. you know, paid fairly um but he said you can gypsy brew I'm like oh, okay. He said, well, shoot me an email and I'll send you a bit of a list and, you know, kind of a few steps. And he sent me a list and it had a lot of steps in there of what to do. <laughs> and I just started and then I found out there's a few steps missing, but that's fine. And I just sort of pick it up as I go along. But he was always really supportive and very helpful uh, every time I had a question. And I asked a lot of questions. <laughs> and, yeah, that's kind of how I ended up getting started. Um putting together, like, my first beer. I've got a lot more to tell you than that. But, and, but did, that, did that first beer make it out into bottle shops, etc.? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, did, okay. um, yeah, so the first beer um, we did was the uh, was the West Coast IPA, the Hot Bottomy. Um, oh, yes, yeah, I heard, yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, and, um, look, I put that together. Now, I did have assistance from Chris, who's the assistant brewer, who um, he gypsy brews as well, uh, yep. Five Brewing, really great guy. Him and I are always on the phone a lot of times talking about, you know, brewing. And um, I didn't quite know what I was doing there, you know. And I remember listening to your episode with James from Shapeshifter. 
Oh, and, and he was he was cool. Yeah. Oh, he was, and he actually gave me some help as well. By the way. Oh right. Oh, how was that? <laughs> and um, you know, like, so you rock up and you're kind of assisting on brew day. You know, you're helping mill in, but you're not really doing much more than that because you don't want to break anything, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, Chris was really great. You know, we brewed that beer, um, and then I went in again and had his help brewing the second batch, which we did for Hops to Home as one of their monthly releases. Yep. Um, and as this was going on, I ended up enrolling into this course, um, Cert Three Food Safety Microbrewing through Bendigo TAFE Kagan Institute. And uh, part of that is doing some work placement. Yep. So, been fortunate enough to, you know, end of last year, you know, brewery took me on to do my work placement. Um, so then from then on, uh, I've been, yeah, lucky enough to be, you know, working with some really great people over there, getting taught a lot, and um, being able to run pretty much my own brew days uh, for all the subsequent beers that I've done. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. Yeah, and, and Sean's been, you know, really, really great. Um, I have had two boilovers, um, <laughs> and it's a little bit embarrassing, but that double IPA that I that you've tried. Yep. Yeah, um, had a boilover for that one. Um, mm. Yeah, and still came out right, but, um, you know, shit happens, so, Yeah. Sorry to interrupt, just a couple of things you can do if you want to help spread this craft beer gospel. First up, Apple Podcasts. If you've got it on your phone, find the Beer Healer interviews, scroll all the way down to the bottom, rate, review, subscribe. That's the best thing you can do to help me out. Other than that, whatever podcast player you listen to this on, follow me or subscribe to me on that one. And then also, find me on Instagram and follow me there. Thanks for your help. Oh, it's awesome that you're able to sort of like, you know, hone your skills as you go along, get a bit of real-world experience doing the education, and I love that. Um, so outside of the team of at Killer Sprocket, have you got other people? Like is there another – Is it like is Killer Sprocket your your team of Yodas, if that's how you say it in your nerdy <laughs> stuff, or, or are there <laughs> other ones <laughs> taking <laughs> – What are you – like you're a Padawan if you're a trainee Jedi. And what is, I don't know. I, I don't get into that I much. I think it's only really – as far as Star Wars goes, for me, the only real sort of movies that are like to me real Star Wars will be um, the new Four, five, five, six. Five back and yeah. Yeah, Return of the Jedi. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. But anyway, <laughs> so so did you? My my serious question is: yeah, Were there sure. other people outside of um, the Killer Sprocket team that you sort of went to? I mean, you talked about Shapeshifter. Um, any others? Yeah, so um, reached out to um, Shapeshifter. I reached out to uh, guys at Bridge Road Brewing. Yep. Um, Charlie at Brayside Brewing. Um, he's helped me out a bit when cool. I haven't been able to get certain hops. Oh, yeah. And, yep. and I messaged him and I asked him, hey, do you have five kilos of sick bro? Because I can't <laughs> find any. He's like, yeah, sure. Um, come by and I'll, you know, I'll sort you out. Um, and then I'll go in and drop him off for short fill and, um, you know, he'll give me like a little sort of tip. Um, and that's a lot okay. of people giving you tips. And that's what's really great thing about this community is that everyone's actually really helpful. Yep. Um, there's not a whole lot of gatekeeping going on. Yeah, cool. And um, a lot of people I've been running into, whether it's, you know, people on Instagram who review beers, guys who brew, um, other sales reps, or even, um, you know, like all your venue managers and your bottle shop owners have been like very helpful 
So yeah, um, nice. Yeah, it's a community, man. Yeah, it, it is pretty cool. So I think I think yeah. Charlie and I spoke back late last year. I think it might have been. He's lost in the US as well. Oh wow. Yeah. Oh, he, he probably told me that. I just uh, after a period of time, all of your guys' stories all mould into like this one great big brawl yeah. with tattoos and beards and yeah. <laughs> back stories. It's, so many it's, it's hard to, it's hard to. Although yours is not great tonight, but I've got to say, but anyway, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's mate. It's it's great that you're um you know you're like you've just been able to like chase your dream like that. What what are we um doing in terms of the artwork and bringing in like I. I'm saying that like I don't know because I've I've seen the cans. I know what you're doing, but let's let's start to talk about how you're bringing um, the two you know loves together. I suppose. Yeah, sure. So in terms of how I'm bringing it together, well, you know, I really enjoy um, putting together some unique artwork, something that stands out where people go to a bottle shop and you know they'll be able to like when I go in, you know, you, you see a can and you think, oh, it's pretty interesting. So you pick it up and you have a look. Uh, there's a bit of a story behind it. So in terms of like where I'll get any inspiration from, um, if that's what you'd like to know as well, yeah. um, probably walking the dogs at like five, six in the morning before I start work, you know, <laughs> just having a bit of time to be away from my mobile phone, away from work, yeah. uh, and just have a think and reflect on, hey, what am I doing here? Um, like what am I going to write in this blurb on the can about the beer or, you know, what I want to put together. So, yeah, I hope that answers your question. That's cool. Um, I, I wanted to know, would there be – are they a package deal, the the beer and the the art? Would there mm-hmm. be no Avenge Brewing without those two individual pieces? Absolutely not. So, like, in Avenge, that name, you know, it came about from 2011, 2012 when I used to do a lot of um, – stenciling and graffiti artwork around, you know, Darwin and then back down to Melbourne. Um, yep. Like I had a few art shows uh, where I sold a lot of my artwork as well for galleries. Awesome. Um, thank you. That's <laughs> and, um, yeah, yeah, we even um, – I got one of my mates to come and help me out. So we're painting like this giant cat like on the side of the wall and um, like in the city up in Darwin and the NT police pulled over and they come out and I think, oh, here we go. <laughs> they asked me, what are you doing? And I just replied, oh, I'm just painting a cat on the side of the wall. And he looked at it, he goes, oh, yeah, all right. And he just jumped back in and drove off. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I'd be doing, like, so I was selling the artwork and, um, you know, it was a, yeah, a pretty cool time. So um, I figured, hey, if I can keep doing this and perhaps incorporate it with brews and beer, um, you know, like it's it's fun. Like uh, Brandon, who's uh, this guy, Brandon, who I met, he's a sales rep at Kai- Kaiju, and he'll go to the Great Grain whenever I put out a new beer, and he'll like do an Instagram posts, and he'll write like this full story. Um, oh, nice. Linked to like a metal song. <laughs> nice. And, and, and so each beer that comes out, he sort of continues this story on based off whatever we put out on the labels. Oh, so, cool. Yeah, it's like pretty. And, and one guy, um, uh, one of my yeah, Instagram followers, he did a review on the Hot Bottomy uh, West Coast IPA, and like he like dressed up in a full surgeon's outfit. Um, <laughs> and his photo, really cool man. And Dedication. Yeah, man. Like I've met a lot of these guys in person. Um, I'm going to take you back. So when I was first starting out doing this and I was running around Melbourne driving all day, dropping off samples to people 
yep. may or may not have diacetyl in it. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 you know, like I'm, I'm giving these, I'm just hitting up people on Instagram, hey, who wants to try my beer? And, but I met these people and all kinds of people, and some of them are now like quite close friends. Cool. Um, and yet again, going back to the community, um, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I like that. Thank um, you, Yeah, well, that's how we – I think that's how we met somewhere on Instagram, I think. Somewhere. Absolutely. Some, yeah. I, um, I thought, you know what, I'm going to go around Hobart for work, so let me get a Qantas flight, which is seven hours delayed, <laughs> which took me 12 hours to get to Hobart, <laughs> where I missed my uh, meeting for work. Oh. But you know what? I got to go to the Winston that night, and then I got to drop box at BCU. So at the old Crips Bakery. No, you, I'm glad you got to the Winston because it's one of my favourite pubs in the city. Oh, fantastic <laughs> man! Oh, yeah, Chad, Chris. Um, back, back on the art for a second, you, you've seen a lot in the craft beer games, you know, labels with small new breweries, they might be hand-drawn or or really intricate in their design. And then I don't know what it is, at some stage, whether it's like, okay, we've, we've been adolescent, now we've got to grow up, they get to a certain size, mm. something changes and things tend to get simplified and, and you come out with something looking more like a Black Ops or, or something like that. Um, the exception to the rule, I think, from my experience, might be Little Bang. They seem to be still, you know, Going with mm. the, with the real art thing, and I absolutely, absolutely. love it. But, Highly illustrated. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was wondering how you feel about because you said, you know, there'd be no no Avenger without the combination of the art and and the beer. Do you feel like this is something you can keep keep going with moving forward, or do you think at some stage there'll be a, a turning point? That's a good. That's a really good question. And the amount of time that goes into producing some of these designs. Yes, you know, yeah. I'm talking many, many, many hours uh, and drafting and working in Illustrator. Uh, on a tablet. Yeah. Um, in terms of sustaining it, I believe it absolutely can be. Um, I believe, yeah, I wouldn't want to go to like a two-tone or like you're playing, um, you know, like, you know, the design I'm talking about where, yeah, you, yeah you've got a can, it just says pale ale, 5%. Um, I'd like to better keep this going. So, I, yeah. There would be no bench brewing without the artwork, um, for sure. So yeah. you can oh, definitely still keep going. Yeah, you can definitely keep yeah, going. I like it. it. I like it. I mean, I, I, oh, I get it, it's hard. I, I know it's it's hard to keep it going, but if it's something yeah. you believe, you you'll make time for it. And if anybody, I'll throw some images up on Instagram or thing of, of what we've got here. But you well, know, the zero you. dark hour with the the scene beside the the oh, lake with a little hop guy, yeah, crystal lake, yeah, yeah, the little red yeah. eye, red eye gay one with the shark under the water. You got the hella dank, which is the San Francisco, uh, the Golden Gate Bridge, Golden Gate Bridge, yeah, yeah, yeah. and the the hop bottomy, which is like you know a hop being dissected by a couple of surgeons, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, it's, I think it's I think it's awesome if, if that's something oh, that you love you. and you and you can find the time. That's yeah. unreal. And I, I should say that. Um, people will see that the episode graphic for this episode has been done by your good self where you've uh, put out a, a caricature of um, the beer healer riding a skateboard with his Volcom hat on and even oh, managed to add in my tattoo. Right I did, yeah. I'm going to be happy with it. And, um, I, what's funny, I showed my son this morning, I said, I'm speaking to the guy, this guy, yeah. so look at this cool cool <laughs> graphic he's done for me. He goes, oh, that's you. I said, I said, yeah. He goes, yeah, I can actually tell. I was like, oh, cool, that's good then because I could tell, but he, he thought it was uh, it was a good little likeness, so I think that's that's pretty cool actually. Well, thank you, yeah. Um, I, th- I thought, you know what, like I've got to um, do something unique, you know. Yeah, I loved it. So, I loved it. No, so, so as we meant, you've got Red IPA, American Stout, Double IPA and the West Coast IPA. Um, is this your core lineup that you're settling on with those four? 
Oh, no, I, I don't really believe in a core lineup. And okay. um, in terms of gypsy brewing, you know, you, you can't gyp. It's a bit hard, isn't it? It's, with gypsy. It's, going down, it's going down the rabbit hole once we start talking about gypsy brewing. So, yeah. Essentially, I don't believe gypsy brewing you can sustain or have a core lineup. Um, really, I think it's all about doing limited releases, something that's unique, um, and then putting that out, moving the product, and then yep. going on to the next one. That, that's my opinion. Other people might disagree. Now, I know a lot of gypsy brewers out there who I speak to around Melbourne and that I've, you know, rocked up on their brew day or I've, you know, tried their beers at a pub at an event. Everyone is doing a hazy pale ale um, <laughs> type thing. And look, that's, I'd like to do one eventually as well. Um, but in, in my experience, like hype beers or you know, beers that are heavily hops or high in ABV, they do they do move a bit quicker. Yep. Uh, and I think when you go into the hazy pale pale ale territory, you're competing with too many people. Yeah. And that, that the price points to sell, and at the margins you make to very slim as a gypsy brewer, if any. Yep. Um, it's yeah. I don't know if you could maintain a core range. Well, I, I like the fact that big volume. Yeah. Yeah, I like the fact that you've gone with a, a clear beer for your, your first oh, one with the you. West Coast. I, I just, I'm a massive fan of the West Coast IPA, and I, I've loved that I've been seeing them sort of come back around a little bit of yeah. late. Um, yeah, I, I think it's cool. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the hazies. I know why people love them, but I'd, yeah. I'd prefer something with with a bit more bitterness, which is which is myself. Hey, um, same here, man. Does, does Gypsy Brewing give you issues if you want to maybe brew a lager? Like we're talking about, you, you, mm-hmm. you can't. You can't sort of, you know, have one one beer, and then I'm thinking, you know, it's all about really like gypsy brewing is. There's a broad spectrum of spectrum mm. of of what of getting involved here. You know, like you might be someone like yourself who's just doing these one offs very quickly. You might mm. have someone where you might maybe you put a couple of tanks in at their place, but you're still a gypsy brew because you know everything else is that other person's. And there's everything in between. So in terms of you know the actual brew day and then storage for the beer as it matures, like that's. It's quite a complex thing. So I was sort of thinking, like, mm. does that prohibit you from making a lager when you're going to be in tank for that little bit longer? Oh, absolutely not. No, I could certainly approach the brewery and ask them, hey, could I use any tanks for lager? Um, I may have to pay a tank residency fee. Right. Um, to give you an example, I had um, the Hopotomy, the second batch I did end of last year. Um, I was waiting for an additional five to six weeks for the labels to be printed. Right. Um, and this is due to COVID and yep. Christmas holidays. So that beer just sat in the tank and just sat there and sat there. And it was maturating. But, um, yeah, so I had to pay a, a residency fee. So yep. in terms of can you brew lager, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it just be sitting there. Yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. There's probably easier ways to make, make a buck at this early stage, I suppose. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. If you, yeah, it's um, yeah, not impossible, no. Yeah. So, but what about you know? We talked about pumpkin beers very quickly. Like, do you dream of making a wild and crazy beer like that, or are you, or you happy to stick with that? <laughs> <Your> wife the- does. <laughs> Your wife does. She wants me to make one. Yeah, she really wants me to brew a pumpkin beer. Yeah. Okay. She um has asked me if I could do one. I'd love to do one, uh, but on a commercial scale, uh. Yeah, like there, there's certain flavorings you'd have to get from um, like Amaretti, yep. uh, which they, they produce like natural flavorings over in the US. Yep. And you can get that wholesale here. So, yeah, okay. yeah, it'd be nice to do one one day. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, speaking of, of Steph, you're 
I'm going to say your lovely wife. I've never met her, never seen her, but I'm going to say she's lovely wife with her pink gaming chair in the background of this video tonight. <laughs> um, how, how are you splitting up, um, you know, your roles in the brewery and do you both have other jobs you've got to do on the side and all that sort of stuff? Well, of course, we both work full-time. Um, yep. Like my wife works full-time and she assists me a lot with everything to do with my social media, um, the designs in terms of the labels, T-shirts, um, ideas for beers, um, all that sort of stuff. So yep. look, I pretty much take on everything else myself, um, everything. So, you know, yeah. She's the yin for your yang. Yes, absolutely, but, yeah, super supportive, which is great. So, yeah. Yeah, nice. Um, does it make you guys nervous as a as a young couple, you know, putting it all on the line to, to follow this dream that you're entering uh, a rather cluttered industry at, at this mm-hmm. time and, you know, there's a fair bit of economic uncertainty around as well. Does it make yeah, you nervous? absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And, look, we've both discussed this at length and yep. in terms of, you know, what the future holds, um, if the time's right and it's going to work out, um, yeah, we'll go ahead and, you know, we'll try and set up our own venue somewhere out here in the southeast. Yep. Um, but I'm not going to push it. So, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not going to push it, especially just with how things are at the moment and just coming out of COVID. Um, you know, it's it's a huge task to um, put any sort of brewery together, as you probably already know. Yeah. Yeah. Huge, huge. <laughs> would um, if you were to think about doing that, would you be more interested in, like, say, the the brew pub model than um, a full production brew? What What are your thoughts around that? Oh, absolutely, brew pub model. Yep. Um, you know, I've been lucky enough to be able to go out and look at a few brew pubs with um, guys from Bespoke, and also talking to the guys at um, Boutique Brewing Solutions. Yep. Um, besides getting quotes from them and scoping out some breweries, the brew pub model seems to be, yeah the best one to go for. Yeah. Um, I have no interest in trying to um, take over the world. and um, No, no, fair enough. Yeah. Even have beers and Dan Murphy's, to be honest with you. Um, I don't believe that's – look, I just wouldn't have the capital for it. So, uh, yeah, you know, We're yeah. talking um, big bucks there. Bloody oath. Bloody oath. Oh, absolutely, man. You, you need uh, – yeah. Would you ever consider, and I'm, I'm just thinking about, I'm just trying to bring up a photo that I had from back when I was in Orlando and I visited – a brewery there. Um, it was called Half Half Barrel, and those dudes literally set up like a, I'm going to say around a 200 liter Browmeister. And yeah. this this pub, which was a was a brew pub with a Browmeister over it, shoved in one corner with some grain yeah. bags sort of around it. And I reckon I reckon my lounge room was bigger than this freaking pub. But they were a brewery, and it was packed okay. every night. I went there when I'm on my way back home from you know doing work that day, stopping at the, the place, it was packed. It had something like 10 or 15 taps of not all its own stuff but other other beers as well. Yeah, but yeah, right. I just keep thinking, like, what a great way just to, just to test the waters is to have something like that, like a Browmeister, so easy to to operate and little – a very little footprint. Okay, it's not the not the best way to, to make beer, obviously, but I just I don't I haven't seen anybody in Australia necessarily do it in that way that I can think of. But I thought maybe it might be a good way to get started. What do you, you reckon? Don't see a lot, you don't see a lot of that, and it is it would be a good way to get started. I'll give you two examples. Uh, so Chris, who runs a brewery, Beans Brewery up in Darwin, he's got a five hundred liter brownmeister. Oh yeah, uh, that he uses, and look, he said told me the efficiency is fine. Yep. Um, 
There's also guys down here in Melbourne who are currently building a brewery in Berwick who have got a 500 litre brownmeister as well. Um, they've only just started opening up or getting ready to open up now. So in terms of brewing on that, you can absolutely you can. Um, but having worked in the brewery myself now, um, Gypsy Brewing is part of my workplace and I think I'd be leaning more towards employing like a two-vessel brew house um, yep. if I'm going to be producing a fair bit of beer. Um, yeah, okay. High yep. volumes. Yep. Um, yeah. But yet again, all come down to personal preference, but you can absolutely start something up with that. Because yeah. there's also that there's that other model. Is it called a spark brewery? I think Brayside might be. Is it Brayside? I think. Yeah, yeah. there's a guy by the name Julian who um, runs that company, uh, Spark Industries. Yeah, oh, yeah. Spark, similar, spark Brewing Solutions. Yeah, it's a similar kind of concept, isn't it? Yeah. So Brayside use their system. I think yep. um, Kaiju were as well. Yeah. Okay. Perhaps. Um, don't quote me on that. Uh, <laughs> there's a few other breweries. Um, Golden Hills as well. Um, Northern part of Melbourne. Yep, they've got, they've got a spark system as well. Um, so yeah, yet again, it will just come down to people's preference. Yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, speaking of preference, and throwing back to your earlier yeah. question about uh, mm-hmm. love of music or your comment, love of music. Where, where sure. does your where does your wheelhouse sit for your your favourite music? Oh well, one of my all favourite bands is probably going to be Tism. Tism. <laughs> really? <laughs> I saw them at the uni bar back in the 90s in some stage. I, think it was. Yeah, I saw them at the uh, Prince of Wales Hotel in St Kilda back in oh, yeah. 01. Yeah, and um, I got punched in the head by a chicken in the mosh pit. Oh, wow. It was a pretty good night, yeah. It was a pretty full-on gig. Um, <laughs> I won't forget it. Um, yeah, <laughs> no. so um, they're actually playing again at um, – and in Sierra and in uh, good things. That's hilarious. Believe it or not, yeah. That must no, be about so, 60. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, and also, um, you know, one of, the, one of our favourite bands besides, well, besides me, Lantism, but my wife and I, we were saw Ramstein over in Germany in oh. 2019. Yep. So we were lucky enough to go over there and see them in Frankfurt. And what's cool wow. about Germany is that you get on a train and everyone's just having like a can of beer. Ha. Probably like a, a live of some sort um, yep. on the way to the gig to the station, and then you get off the station, you walk down to the um, to the like to the gig at the stadium, and there's just people propping up stands with beer, and everyone's just like <laughs> buying beers, smoking cigarettes, oh. um, walking down to the gig um, to go through the metal detectors, <laughs> and and you know grab a bratwurst. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and um, good night, man. Yeah, nice. Yeah, very, nice. very chill. Yeah. Nice. So, so the most important question I guess I've got for you is when you're a gypsy brewer, do you get to control the stereo in the in the brewery? <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> that would annoy no, me. I haven't, no. Um, to be honest with you, though, when I'm brewing on brew day, I'm really fixated on just brewing. Um, oh. And I used to always think brewing at home was a real pain with the cleaning and you know, mashing in um, until I started doing my work placement and doing a couple of my own brew days, um, you know, and I'm under pretty strict supervision by Sean at times, but then yep. he'll get busy as to go in the office and then I'm standing up there, oh, fuck, what was the next step? Oh, that's right. <laughs> and um, try not to break anything yep. or destroy a pump. Um, and then, you know, you finish 
you know, you do your final sip in the fermenter, you push your work from the kettle through the cold side to the back into the fermenter, all done, pitch the yeast, and then you still got to clean. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and I'd always go home like yeah, pretty tired, especially packaging days as well. You can't just throw your bits and pieces into a big, like, 60-litre rubbish bin with some suds and piss off, can you? <laughs> no, but, oh, James from Shapeshifter actually mentioned that in your episode with him. Yep. Where you asked him that same question, and he said, oh, no, they take care of all that. And I'm listening oh, to I- this on the flight back from Hobart, and I'm like, Damn it, Bucky. Yeah, when you were t- saying that then, I was I was about to ask you, oh, do you have to worry about that because they do it for you? It must have been because of, yeah. of that interview with him. Yeah, I was just I was thinking then you started going about having a clean. I was like, oh, you get fucking ripped off, didn't you? There's a, there's a few times earlier on where I didn't, and I'll admit that. Um, and when I was working with Chris, you know, he's the assistant brewer there, so um, he took care of it. Um, but, yeah, been going to my work placements and having to, you know, get assessed on – um, doing cleaning place and yeah, everything was associated with it. Um, doing it so, but yeah, you know, like it's um definitely a full day. Yeah, pretty yeah. tiring. Um, yeah, yeah. Have you had a chance to go in and brew it all at a brewery? Um, I so. My, I've seen this a few times on on this because so, I worked with Lion there for quite a few mm-hmm. years, and I've done a few brew days with with Chuck and the guys at the Malt Shovel. Um, but my one claim to fame was that I put down the first batch of what became One Fifty Lashes when Freshy Robert Freshwater and I did that one day because I was on the project team to bring that beer to life. So I've yeah, done right. that. Um, I've, I've I've visited a lot of other breweries, like you know, so I'm good most of Will Tatchell, but I've never actually. I don't think we've ever actually put any beer down. He'd probably say because I don't want to travel to the north of the state or something. Like that. I'm too lazy. But the, the, the issue, the issue I've got is that this is my hobby, and and you yeah. know my, I've got I've got a full time job. Then I've got the family and other commitments, and we often piss off to the shack on weekends. So yeah. finding time to dedicate to an eight hour brew day or whatever it is is actually mm-hmm. quite quite difficult. It's yeah. I sort of liken it to maybe someone going out on a, a large bike ride or playing a game of golf. It's kind of like like that. And I just don't really have the time to, to dedicate yeah. to it, unfortunately. But um, look, I'm sure I will one day. I have plans of uh, retiring early. So <laughs> maybe when that happens, I'll I'll get on and uh, do that. It's actually funny. We we're going to do a um, myself, Dave Padden and Ben Miller, who we do that other side podcast together. Um, we were going to do a brew day together up at Akasha and create a beer together, but oh, nice. COVID killed that. So <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm sure I'm sure I'll do it at some stage where I'll, I'll do a full brew day. It'll happen, I'm yeah. sure. Oh, look, no, I reckon you will. And, you know, just talk about some of the challenges there when you're working full time is getting that time off to go and brew, yeah. right? And I've got two beers coming up um, by the 22nd of October and I've booked in two brew days, both on Sundays, I'd love to do weekdays, but this is getting the time of work. Yeah. Um, I've I've worked weekends just so I can get a day in lieu to go and work in the brewery yep. to do part of an assessment, for example, of my work placement. Yeah. Um, I've been delivering beer after hours um, on weekends, dropping off samples. Dropping throw all around, throw all a couple of kids into that mix and it gets even worse. <laughs> oh. I, drove, I drove two hours uh, recently to drop off a one case order. Oh shit! And then two hours back home. Oh fuck! Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, uh, it's hard work, man. Yeah, my mate Clint Donahoe, who one of the step brewers, who also is uh, one of the founders of Spotty Dog Brewers down here. There, 
they're uh, putting together a brand new brewery um, just outside of Hobart, and okay. I, I swear he's aged five years. The poor bastard. Every time oh, I see yeah. him, he's got you know because he's got a, he's got a really serious job. Like he he's he's a very smart bloke. So he's like a mm-hmm. I guess he's not a CFO, but he's sort of that kind of a level of, of mm-hmm. job he's got. And he's mm. trying to get this bloody brewery, brewery built. He has gypsy brewing commitments, all this sort of shit. Like he's just got so much stuff going on, I feel for him. But, oh, look, um, I, I can imagine. And I always envision myself with if I manage to secure the capital, which I'm going through right now, to, um, you know, build a brew pub, I would have to put the brakes on the gypsy brewing because I just yeah. don't, don't know how to really manage. Um, yeah. And, you know, there's other guys out there. There's another guy who I talk to quite frequently. He's building a brewery here in the southeast. And he's never a gypsy brewery. He's just homebrewed on a brewmaster. Right. But he's building a brewery um, and he's he's getting there. Um, so, I mean, you know, people are doing it. When, um, when you but, when you say yeah. the southeast, what, what is the southeast to you? Uh, so the southeast of Melbourne would be anywhere from like um, – we're not talking down Chelsea and all that sort of. No, I'm talking like well, Frankston. He, he's out of Pakenham. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is in further out from where we are. So yep. um, yeah. So when I say southeast, I guess I'm talking you know Frankston, Fruita, Dandenong. Oh, it is down that um, far. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so you know, people are doing it, but um, yep. you know, when I asked him how are you going, you know, he told me, "Man, he goes, um, yeah, having to move some money around and um, yeah." You know, it's um, just one thing after another with council and, yeah, yeah. so rocky roads. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Um, I know the people that heard it mentioned in the very start of the interview are going to be, like, just absolutely hanging on every word to hear about you. And your fucking, you um, and your fucking Boba Fett costume and the fact that you're a Comic-Con nerd or something along those lines. Tell us about this Boba Fett. How the hell did you go from doing graffiti and being in the army to building a Boba Fett costume? Oh, this is what happens when, you know, you become single and you live in Darwin in a two-bedroom apartment in the CBD. You start building a Boba Fett costume. That's just a natural progression. That's what happens, man. Yeah, nothing else to do. I'll start building this costume. And so a mate of mine, um, who was in Melbourne at that time, he was putting together a Stormtrooper outfit. And he said, oh, just, just try and, you know, build a Boba Fett. Okay, cool. So little did I know that was going to take me about two years and about six and a half grand. Oh, oh um, get fucked. Really? <laughs> I'm serious. And yeah. there's no there's no pattern for these things. <laughs> like you're not no, going to no. on the old genome or anything like that with no. a pattern <laughs> a spotlight. I no, wish, no. So oh. I um I actually built two versions of the helmets. Um, but the second helmet that I built that I'm gonna I'm gonna prove by the Fire First Legion, like the whole costume. Yeah, took me about a year and a half to two years to build. So I remember painting that helmets, and it was taking me. Oh, I racked up about 50 to 60 hours of painting in a one-bedroom apartment. Um, a helmet? It's like the size just, of a basketball. Just a helmet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit. So um, but what's cool is that I actually got to uh, wear the costume again because I'm still a member of the Fire First Legion where we do a lot of charity work. Oh, cool. Or, you know, like SIDS, uh, Kids with SIDS. Yep. Uh, like lots of um, other charities. Um, but Brayside Brewing had a um, like a bit of an event for one of their beers recently. So, um, yeah, for May the 4th, we went down there oh, yeah. and I organised um, to go down there in costume and, you know, 
pour some beers as Boba Fett at the bar. Oh, it was a bit nice. tricky. Nice, nice. Yeah. Okay. So R- Rami from Brayside uh, was there and um, I took my helmet off and he's like, oh, I know you. <laughs> <laughs> You're the guy doing the cartoon stuff on the <laughs> It's called art, fuck ya. Yeah, it's like... Yeah, but no, um, yeah, so it was cool, you know, still get to wear the costume every once in a while, but um, not as often as what I'd like to. Is is there, a, uh, after, like, a market for you to be able to sell that thing? Like, and if so, oh, what? I could, but my wife would kill me. <laughs> Why would she kill you? Oh, uh, no, she she said you can't sell it, so it's oh. sentimental what, value. What would it is be that- worth to, to another um, nerd? Nerd? <laughs> 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 what are you? What do you, do you call yourself a cosplayer? Is that what it is? Um, yeah, I'd say like that would be class as cosplay. Yeah. yeah, I guess it is. Yeah. Um, look in terms of what those costumes were, around the sort of five to ten grand mark. Yeah. Oh wow. Easily. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Does Does Steph have a like a princess layer or something like no, that? Or? No, she doesn't. <laughs> she She did have a um, female stormtrooper costume that um, oh, yeah. I was lucky enough to build. You built that too. I had to put it together, yeah. What did that cost you? Uh, don't go there. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, and also a Jawa as well. So, um, a Jawa? Yeah, yeah, who's a gonna, Jawa. Who's going to wear a Jawa costume? You're going to be like three feet tall. Vern oh, no. Troyer yeah. <laughs> or something. Yeah. Hey, you know your Star Wars pretty well. Uh, I've got an older brother who was pretty big. Yeah. Uh, no, no, so my, I've got an older brother who introduced me to the first three videos and my flatmate for about three or four years, John, he <laughs> he was a fucking big kid who collected fucking everything. He had like a oh, millennium, like we're in our 20s, he's got a millennium falcon hanging from the ceiling in his bedroom yeah. in our house. He went into his walk-in cupboard and he had all these boxes of all these bloody things. So that's where I understood who who's what in Star Wars. And, you saw, and you saw the chicks that he was pulling you for. And now it's all his mum's house in her garage, just collecting dust, doing fucking oh, nothing. Uh, but he he loved it. He loved it. So I do. I do have a fair knowledge. I don't. I don't yeah. get into the deep stuff. I like. I've. I've not gone onto Disney Plus and watched all those extra TV series and stuff like that. But I've watched. I've yeah, watched all the for the main main movies and that sort of thing. So, mate, I, I like it that you're uh, you're so into. I I don't have the patience for that sort of stuff. I'm I'm a kind of guy when I've got a hobby, I get yeah. to a certain level and I'm good enough. <laughs> like you know, my my home brewing, I'm got to a certain level. That's good enough. I, yeah. I play the guitar. You can see my drum kit behind me. Uh, yeah. Even sport. Or, you know, I get to a certain point where I'm okay, I'm pretty okay, and yeah. that's good enough for me. I don't I don't I don't go that next step. I don't think. Oh, the same as you. Like I, you know, especially through COVID, you know, I went and um, bought an Ibanez and just started playing guitar again. Ooh, nice. Yeah. And I was just cranking out like Parkway Drive. Um, yep. Yeah. And uh, then I just stopped. <laughs> anyway, I started homebrewing. That just, <laughs> just kind of reminds me. So anybody who's actually got to the end of this episode, well done for one. But Thank also, you. if you haven't listened to the Netflix or watched the Netflix documentary on Woodstock 99, oh, my uh, fucking God. I've got to watch that. I, oh. One of my mates was telling me about that the other day. I have I, to watch that, yeah. I dedicated 40 hours of my life, similar to painting a Boba Fett helmet, uh, to <laughs> listening to Podcast 99 when COVID first started. That helped me get through COVID initially. Ooh. And it was about 40 episodes, and they went through every single session and act from 
um, Woodcast, Woodstock 99 yeah, yeah, and yeah. all the bullshit that went on and they had some video. But but this one takes it to it at the next level. You've got Michael Lang, one of the and the and the other guy who ran it, and there's all this right. exclusive footage from MTV and all these other like ABC News and stuff, and it was a real opener to what a clusterfuck that thing became. When when Kid right. Rock comes out on the stage though. Oh, in his gonna, big pimp coat. It's, it's, it's pretty cool, man. You know, and look, Les Claypool, you know, from Primus, you know, I played bass yeah. as well and always used to try and play with the Primus. Um, nice. Really cool nice. seeing him there, man. So, I, I was yeah. watching the um, the part last night when they had, uh, they showed the Limp Biscuit part and they showed the corn thing and I remember being the big day out and I think it was 99 or something like that when corn yeah. played and yeah. just the, the wave of the people jumping and in the mosh pit and how just like extraordinary just came out from the stage all the way to the back, just this, wow, fuck, it was unbelievable. And that's like what Woodstock was, but with 250,000 people or whatever the hell it was, it was just insane. So anyway, if anybody has not seen that doco. uh, I'll watch it tomorrow. Yeah, and in my new podcast called Chris Watches Netflix, we'll be, no. (laughs) (laughs) Not to be off on a few tangents here. Did you want me to mention anything else um, at all? (laughs) It's your store. How smooth is that? Like that, this, you know, people will say, oh, this is how this really behind the scenes. Do you want me to mention anything? But it, it's your you story. Out, you? I'm, I'm just here to help you tell your story. So if you've got more to say, bring it on. But if you, you haven't done, we can just cut off here. Bang, done. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Be here interviews. All right. Yeah. You got nothing more. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going I'm to take that as a we are done. We've almost been going for an hour. Like, this yeah, has been yeah, great. Yeah. No, I, I oh, think I've put you through enough. No, no, I, I think it's been great. I, I, I love the fact that you're smack bang in the middle of this bloody thing where you're, A, you're putting your nuts on the line financially and whatever to, to make this happen. You're learning on the run. And this is sort of like, you know, I've, mm. I've tried over the last sort of year or so, as I said to you beforehand, bring on the new guys who are starting these things to help mm. others maybe learn from it. And obviously, you've listen to the shapeshifter one, which was kind of the, the idea behind behind that yeah, one. So maybe it has helped. Absolutely. So I like I like the fact that you're you're sort of like an evolution of, of that episode too. And uh, hey, I want to just put in there that um you sorry to interrupt you there. But, um yeah the shapeshifter episode part of the reason how I started this as well by the way. So believe it or not me driving around for work at the time um listening to that episode, listening to you talk to James I was so intrigued and it was it was just it was like, oh wow, I've got a piece of information here and they're talking about gypsy brewing. This is gold. Um and it's kind of like what led me to do this. So, you know, I, I've got to say, man, kudos for putting this that's, episode together. That's and, pretty cool. You know, that's that's yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. It sounds corny, I know. So corny. Well, um, well yeah. look, from my perspective, I'm glad that it worked, even if it only helped one person, because that was the idea of the episode that James and I wanted to put together, that little bit of a, I'm not going to call it a guy, but, you know, that kind of an idea is this is how to, to get it started, because I had had quite a few people asking about those sorts oh, of things. Really? So if, if it worked, yeah, yeah. well, that's that's bloody awesome. I love it. And, and one thing that he says, by the way, when he talks about going into a venue and listening to people, you know, like people are trying out your beer, and, you know, you're getting a bit of feedback there. You're like a fly on the wall. Yeah. Um, I've definitely been through that myself as well. And, yeah, like it, it is definitely, um, yeah, it's interesting, you know. Um, people tell you, oh, yeah, you, you, your double IPA, which is um, 80, you know, 60 to 80 IBU, is um, if it had less hops, 
it'd be better. <laughs> um, no, but like, yeah, but look, what he says, Thank everything you, I'll take rings that on board. <laughs> everything rings very true. So yeah, they mean well. They mean well. They do mean well. Uh, well, mate, this has been fun. We've gone off a few tangents, but hopefully we've got to tell your stories. It's been awesome, mate. I wish you the best for the future. I hope to see uh, bigger and better things from you. Uh, soon. Uh, next time you're down in Hobart at Winston or Cripps Bakery, uh, let me know and we'll catch Absolutely. up. And you can give me some more beer. That'll be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bring some beer. Good on you, mate. Thank uh, you thanks, you, thanks for your time tonight. Cheers to great beers. Cheers, Chris. Thanks for listening. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. If you have an interesting beer story and want to be a guest on the Beer Healer interviews, send me a message via my Facebook page. And once again, if you want to help out the show, a simple rate and review on Apple Podcasts or a follow, like or share on any other podcast service will do the trick. I'll catch you soon.